You're listening to Trinity Fremont's Sermon Podcast, where you can hear God's Word preached each and every week. Our purpose at Trinity is to raise up Christ's followers in our families and in our communities. We pray that as you listen to this week's sermon, you'll be encouraged and equipped to live out your faith in all that you do. So, Pentecost. We've been talking about Pentecost. Last week we talked about it. We've been talking about Pentecost this morning. But what really is Pentecost? Well, penta means 50. Pentecost means 50 days. You see, Pentecost is not just a New Testament celebration. Pentecost didn't just start the day that the Holy Spirit came to be with all of us. Pentecost actually started 1,500 years or so before the Holy Spirit descended upon all of the disciples and the apostles. We can see this because it was recorded when Moses received the law from God way back in Leviticus. So let's read Leviticus 23, 16. You shall count 50 days to the day after the Sabbath. Then you shall present a grain offering of new grain to the Lord. You shall bring from your dwelling places two loaves of bread and to be waved, made of two-tenths of an ephah. They shall be a fine flour, and they shall be baked with leaven as first fruits to the Lord. You see, thousands of Jews descended upon Jerusalem on Pentecost. It had already been happening 1,500 years, this Pentecost. And it was a festival that celebrated the fruits of the first harvest, but it also celebrated the remembrance of the the Israelites being delivered from the Egyptians. But the new day of Pentecost that we are familiar with and we're celebrating today That's a different kind of deliverance. It's a deliverance of the promise that Jesus gave to his disciples. The last promise that he gave to his disciples. You see, promises are important to keep, aren't they? Keeping promises reminds me of a clip from Forrest Gump. Now, who was was Forrest's good buddy who died in Vietnam? Bubba. Okay, And while he was holding his dying friend Bubba, Forrest promised Bubba something. And what we're going to watch is Forrest delivering on that promise. Let's watch. I didn't stay home for long because I'd made a promise to Bubba, and I always try to keep my promise. So I went on down to Biola Battery to meet Bubba's family and make the introduction. Are you crazy or just plain stupid? Stupid is stupid does, Mrs. Blue. I guess. And, of course, I paid my respect to Bubba himself. Hey, Bubba, it's me, Forrest Gump. I remember everything you said, and I got it all figured out. I'm taking the $24,562.47 that I got, or that, that's left, after well, a new haircut and a new suit, and I took mom out to a real fancy dinner, and I bought a bus ticket and three Dr. Peppers. Tell me something. 
Are you stupid or something? Stupid is or stupid does, sir. Well, that's what's left after me saying. When I was in China on All-America Ping Pong Team, I just loved playing ping pong with my Flexo Light Ping Pong Paddle, which everybody knows isn't true, but Mama said just a little white lie, so it wasn't hurting nobody. So anyway, I'm putting all that on gas, ropes, and new nets, and a brand new shrimping boat. Bubba had Forrest promise. And he promised, yes, I will. I will do everything that I can to buy a shrimping boat and get that rolling. Because that was Bubba's dream. So Forrest gives everything that he had, right? And it wasn't the full 25000 because Forrest did spend a little bit of money. Let's see how good your memory is or your, or your, uh, your movie trivia. So he spent money on five things before he went to purchase the boat and the nets and everything. What was the first thing he did? Haircut. New suit. Number three? Dinner, nice dinner for his mama. Bus ticket. And what's the last one? Three Dr. Peppers. And he gave everything that he had to keep that promise. Do you know of someone who has given everything they have to keep a promise? God, the Father, gave everything he had. He gave his one, and he gave his one and only son to keep his promise. You see, God is a promise keeper. God is a promise keeper. But this isn't the first promise. Let's go back and let's study some of God's most influential promises. And the first one takes place all the way back in Genesis chapter 3. This is after Adam and Eve have been deceived. And God promises a plan for salvation. He said, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He shall crush your head and you will strike his heel. This is God talking to Satan. Oh, it's not going to be easy for Jesus. He's going to get battered and bruised. But in the end, he is going to crush Satan's head. And he will be victorious. Promise kept. How about Noah? Genesis 9. I establish my covenant with you that never again shall all the flesh be cut off by the waters of the flood and never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. So far so good with that promise. Thank you God. Keep the rainbows coming. Did anyone see a rainbow last night? There were a few out there. Next promise. And actually, the next promise is three promises in one, and that's Abraham. The, Ab the Abrahamic covenant, okay? He, God promised Abraham three things. Let's see how you guys can do. What was the first thing he promised? Begins, begins with L, and it's only four letters. Land. A land flowing with 
milk and honey. Okay. Number two, descendants. And you can actually, yeah, I think I got those reversed. Descendants. Here's Sarah, Sarai, and Abram at the time. They're almost 100 years old. They don't have any kids. And Sarah's pretty pressed about it all. And then God tells them they're going to have kids. They're going to have descendants, as many as there are stars in the sky and sand, grains of sand on on the shore. That's a lot of descendants. That's a pretty nice promise. And number three is Abraham is going to be a, it begins with B, L, a blessing. Abraham will be a blessing, not just to his family, but to all people. That's quite a covenant, isn't it? He's going to be a blessing to all people because the Messiah is going to be born through his bloodlines. Moses, God gave a promise. More than one promise to Moses, but this is the main one. In Exodus 6, I will bring you into the land that I swore to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to you for a possession. I am the Lord. I love that. I am the Lord. Of course I can do that. I am the Lord. And he did just that, didn't he? He brought, he delivered the Israelites out of Egypt. And then our last promise we're going to talk about is the promise he gave to David. Does anyone know what that special blessing was to David? Shout it out. Where's the Savior going to come from? David's bloodlines. That's a pretty awesome promise. And your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. And he came through with that promise. Check that one off. The king of kings and lord of lords is going to be born through the bloodlines of David, through the stump of Jesse, who is David's daddy. But see, not all the promises were positive. As far as I know, ladies, childbirth is still painful. Gardeners and farmers out there, beginning of June, how are those weeds doing? Those are promises too. But we're going to focus on Jesus' last promise. And that last promise is, which he gave to his disciples before he ascended, I'm going to send you a helper. I'm going to send you a comforter. A promise of the Holy Spirit that we celebrate today. A promise that because he delivers on, we know Jesus too. That's a pretty important promise. This promise is recorded in a few different places. One place is in John 14, 16. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. And later on in John 14, 25 to 26, these things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. And then last week we read Acts 1. And he promised the disciples in Acts 1, too, if you remember right. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And that's exactly what happened. 
Ten days later, after ascension, God the Father sends the Holy Spirit. Jesus carried out his promise to send his helper, his comforter, his Holy Spirit, which now leads us finally to our reading today, Acts 2. But we needed to set that up a little bit so you understood Pentecost and how awesome it is. So let's break it down. Now that we've got a little more background, a little more context, to what led up to this most amazing promise that in all seriousness has each one of us sitting, us sitting here today at Trinity Lutheran Church in Fremont, Nebraska. No, you're not listening to Peter's first sermon, which comes in verse 14. You're listening to Vicar Rathke's 11th sermon. So let's read and let's marvel as we read again some of Acts chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. Well, they were doing exactly what Jesus told them to do. Wait. Wait for the Holy Spirit. You aren't ready for the Great Commission yet. They were eager to go. But Jesus says, wait. And that's what they were doing. Ten days later, they're all still together. And then here comes verse 2. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they, excuse me, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each of them. So this isn't the first time that God manifests himself in fire. In the Old Testament, it happens many times. We shouldn't be surprised that the Holy Spirit, God's presence, came in the form of fire. He does it all the time. Do you remember any of those instances in the Old Testament where God manifests himself? His presence is seen and felt in fire? Burning bush. Moses in the burning bush. Okay? When they were... And I even, I'm going to go all the way back to Genesis. Okay? And Adam and Eve, we've already talked about them sinning. Now they get kicked out of the garden. And there's two angels guarding, guarding the gate to the Garden of Eden. So no one could come back in. Do you remember what they're holding? Swords of flaming fire. Yes. God's presence right there. So Moses gets his promise delivered that he would be able to lead the people out of Egypt, but they had no clue where they were going. So how were they led during the day? Pillar of fire. God's presence, right? And then when they do get to Mount Sinai, and God is ready to give Moses the law, Mount Sinai is covered in smoke and fire. That's God's presence, right? So we should not be shocked that there's fire above each one of those apostles' heads because they just got the full measure of God's presence. And they needed it. They were starting the church. The tongues of fire are the presence of God, the Holy Spirit. See, this fulfilled John the Baptist's prophecy that the Messiah would baptize with Holy Spirit and fire. This also means that the purifying work of the Holy Spirit, Spirit carries on in our lives today as we are also baptized into Christ. Just like Jackson, 
just like Jackson. The Spirit comes into our lives to transform us, cleansing us and purifying us to become more Christ-like in our daily living. Yes, Pentecost is worth celebrating, don't you think? I think it's right up there with Christmas. I think it's right up there with Easter. I think it's right up there. It's the beginning of the Christian church. It's the church's birthday. So let's get back to more of Acts 2. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now remember, the city of Jerusalem is filled with thousands and thousands of foreigners, Jewish foreigners from many different countries because of Pentecost. Their Pentecost. 50 days after Passover, 50 days after Jesus' ascension, all of this timing is not a coincidence. People from many nations were in Jerusalem. What a great opportunity to start the Great Commission. Now remember last week we talked about being plugged in. Remember? Well, ladies and gentlemen, the electricity, the power source has arrived. It was the time, it was the time for the church to get started. And Peter couldn't wait anymore. He had to just give his first sermon. Starting in verse 14. But, but Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. 9 o'clock a.m. All of these guys had not been drinking. So what was going on? See, Peter did not need liquid courage, did he? This ordinary fisherman, just this regular fisherman guy, Peter, he is now full of God's presence of the Holy Spirit. And he's ready to preach and he's ready to teach. He was ready and the rest of the apostles were ready to start the Christian church. It was time to preach the kingdom of God. So here's part of the sermon. If we go way forward to verse 29, and he includes God being a promise keeper. He's going to include the promise he kept to David. Brothers, I may say to you with confidence about the patriarch David that he both died and was buried and his tomb is with us to this day. Being therefore a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on his throne. There's the reference to that promise being delivered. The Davidic covenant. He foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of the Christ, that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God raised up, and of that we are all witnesses, being therefore exalted at the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit has poured out this, that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. Do you remember how many came to faith that day, begins with a three, and as a comma, and three zeros. 3,000! Boom! That's a good way to start the church, don't you think? 
Well, there you have it. We can be assured that the same holy God who gave his only son and poured out his spirit at Pentecost, well, he wants us to be holy just like he is holy. Jesus promised them that he would ask the Father to send the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit would give them the power to do great and mighty things. And it happened just as Jesus said it would. I mean, they did great and mighty things. They healed. They preached. They teached. They even rose people from the dead. The Spirit was powerful. But see, that same power, that same power is available to us. It's not something that just happened in the Bible times. The Holy Spirit is real. It's working in your hearts and your mind, in my heart and my mind. The Bible says, all who are led by the Spirit are children of God. We are God's children. Have the, we have the power to do great and mighty things. Not on our own strength, but through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's in each one of us through our baptisms. He wants us to be plugged in through the power of the Holy Spirit so that we can be a light in the darkness. He is our way maker. He is our miracle worker. He is our promise keeper. He is our light in the darkness. Amen.